4: This time, fakes. He's back. He's looking deep. He wants A.J. Brown, and it's caught for a touchdown! A.J. Brown! It's double coverage. It doesn't matter. He throws the ball into an area where A.J. Brown can make the adjustment, and he's jockeying around, and he makes that proper adjustment to the football for a touchdown. He runs through contact so well.
5: 45 yards, Mike Quick.
3: There you go, Glenn Macnow. Those were the salad days of Super Bowl 57. I was feeling pretty good. I'm Mike Sealski. He is, as I said, Glenn Macknow, 94 WIP. Uh, We are pleased right now to be joined by the guy who I think is uh, the best Eagles beat writer in town. Uh, And I'm only saying that because I work with him. And if I don't say it, he'll punch me in the face the next time I see him. Jeff McClain of the Inquirer. Jeffrey, how are you?
6: Good uh, morning, guys. How are
7: you? Hey,
3: Jeff. So let's start here kind of big picture, grandiose. Let's put you in the GM chair uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles. What is the top priority for you? What is the thing they've got to do this offseason more than any? Is it a Hertz contract extension? Is it figuring out certain position groups? If you're Howie Roseman, you're sitting down, what's priority number one?
6: Well, I think it's kind of a no-brainer that the Hertz contract extensions uh, priority number one, because you want to you want to get a you want to get out ahead number one of of the other teams <clears throat> that are poised to extend quarterbacks from that contra- from that uh, draft year Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and you want to kind of s- set in place your plan moving forward. I mean, and you want to know um, what that may look like, and and uh, certainly there's a negotiation that has to play out here and. We don't know exactly what Jalen wants in return. My guess is that he wants less years and more guaranteed money, and he goes, want more years and, and less guaranteed money. And that'll be something that they'll have to kind of <clears throat> go back and forth over. Um, but to me, I think at this point, you have to, you have to get Jalen locked up because in the long term it will benefit them if they do it this, sooner rather than later in my opinion.
7: So Jeff McClain, when they do that, you know, what we <laughs> what we've heard and what I believe to be true is it will clearly give them less flexibility than when they had the quarterback with I think it was the 29th highest salary in football or something like that and uh, how much will that hinder them in the off season given all of the free agents that they've got now and things that they want to add and I guess that leads into, well, I'll let you answer that and then we'll lead into who.
6: Yeah, it's obviously no secret that one. Can, Cal gets his uh, franchise quarterback contract, which will probably be somewhere in the $50 million a year range, that it'll affect their ability to not only retain their own free agents, but uh, lock up other guys. And you know, Howie kind of was asked that question the other day, and he, he spoke to how he's kind of prepared for that in terms of the draft picks that they have coming. They have two first-rounders in this draft, and they have a bunch of uh, picks in the following draft, and he's projecting compensatory picks uh, in the following draft or you know future drafts. So he knows that if they want to maintain this level of play with Jalen's contract, they're going to have to hit on more draft picks, and they're going to have to develop these guys. They had three, you know, the first three picks last year, barely played this year. So you need those guys to step up. Um, so you're going to have to you have to build more through the draft when you don't have the flexibility to sign your own free agents and sign other free agents. That's not to say that Howie won't be able to do some of that. This first year of a jailing contract will luckily have a low seller cap hit so they can they can still have some flexibility. Um, but, yeah, there's no secret that when a quarterback signs a franchise uh, contract, a second deal, that it's going to uh, limit – their ability to to really spend a lot on other guys.
3: And it's probably going to be harder for them uh, to continue the development of Hurts and and make this kind of transition with two new coordinators, right? Jonathan Gannon's leaving. Shane Steichen is leaving, both getting head coaching jobs. Uh, The scuttlebutt seems to be, Jeff, that it's a slam dunk that Brian Johnson uh, is going to be the offensive coordinator. They're going to move him up from quarterback's coach. A, am I wrong about that? B... If I am, are there any other candidates that might be out there that you think the Eagles could bring on board and see what are they going to do with defensive coordinator?
6: Uh, yeah, I mean to address your first question, this is what happens with winning teams: you lose your assistants and, and see you know the head coach's ability to uh, either find uh, in-house replacements or go outside the building that will. Um, determine whether this team can kind of maintain the level in which it's played these last two years, a rising one. Um, that was probably very, pretty close to the staff that Nick Sirianni had dreamed about building. There were some guys that he didn't really know that uh, they spent time interviewing. He's spoken recently about Jamal Singleton. Michael Clay was another one. Um but he has in-house replacements, right, uh, lined up, especially on the offensive side. I think Brian Donson would probably be the more likely guy ahead of uh, Kevin Petulo and the more likely guy in terms of the coordinators. Um I, you know, I don't know if it's a slam dunk, but I think it's probably we'll, what will end up happening here on the defensive side. I think it's a little more likely that they may go outside the building. Um Denard Wilson would be the in-house replacement, the uh, defensive backs coach, also pass game uh, coordinator. <clears throat> but I think that, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if uh, he is as locked in again as I, as I said. Brian Johnson will be.
7: Okay, so if they, I don't know if they would have hired Vic Fangio if if they knew this at the time. I mean, the timing didn't work out for it. But no. I guess my question to you is, when they look to hire a new defensive coordinator now, do they get look for somebody who may play a little bit more aggressively? And please answer yes. <laughs>
6: Um, no, I asked Nick this very question the other day, you know, so are are you just going to try and go out and get the best guy that you could possibly get no matter the scheme or are you still married to some version of the scheme? And and Nick has said before that whenever in defending Jonathan Gannon, this is the scheme I want. Mm. Um, now he said that there's certainly flexibility within that. And my guess is that, um, yeah, I don't know if he's going to get someone like quote unquote more aggressive. Uh, I guess it depends how you define that more blitzing or, you, you know, you have, uh, you guys play a little more uh, closer to the line. You you, yeah, you have a little more of an aggressive one gap penetrating front. Uh, I don't think we're they're going to go that far um, to the left, which is, I guess, you know, like uh, the wide nine, what you saw with Jim Schwartz. Um, and then in terms of blitzing, what you would see previously with, you know, the Jim Johnson's of the world. Now they are, I think, scheduled to, to interview Vance Johnson. Uh, he um, blitzed as much as anybody over the last five years, whenever he's been coordinator. So if that's what you want, um, that could be it. I, to me, I think you just go out and buy the, go out and get the top mind that you defensive mind that you can get and you figure out the rest later. You have seven starters on, on the, on the defensive side of the ball that are free agents. This is an opportunity for you to kind of, I wouldn't say remake your defense or cater to a specific skill set. You know, you're always looking for versatile players, but this does give you a little, a little flexibility. Um, it does bring into question about what would uh, Jordan Davis's role role be moving forward. They drafted him thinking that he could play all three downs and be a pass rusher. Uh, we didn't really see that in his rookie year. I'm not saying he had the opportunity to do that. But if you bring in someone and you go back to a four-man front, one-gap one, one gap penetrating front, um, that kind of limits Gilward in terms of what he brings as a run, run stopper.
3: Jeff, last one from me. You've got the combine coming up in, what, a little more than a week, maybe a week's time. The Eagles have two first-round picks. They have a second-round pick. Safe to say that Howie's probably going to look to accumulate more picks, trade down.
6: Uh, that would probably be my guess. Uh, they have what like, the number ten. Um, it will be the first pick. I mean, that's you can get a really premium player with that with that pick. I have to look a little more at the draft and you know, find out what we, you know whether they're saying you know, the strength is in the, you know the first round. Lee and his ability to accumulate draft picks, I'd, probably, I'd say with one of those picks, he probably would do that.
7: All right, so one more for me. We're talking to Jeff McLean. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore McLean, M-C-L-A-N-E. We, we can't go through all the free agents, but to your thinking now, give us quickly two they're going to keep and two we're going to say goodbye to.
6: Um, I, I don't know who they're going to keep, who I would keep. I would I would probably prioritize Javon Hargrave. Because, you know, you have four interior defensive linemen that are going to be for agents. Now, Sue, Dominic and Sue, jo- Linville, Joseph, they're gone. Uh, the other two would be Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. I don't know if you can afford to lose both those guys. And to me, Hargrave's younger. He was more effective last season, so I'm, I'm investing uh, in the middle of the line uh, with him. And then the other one would be in the back end. I think I think uh, C.J. Uh, Gardner-Johnson, while you know, he's not a perfect safety at this point, he's still kind of learning the position. Um, he's young, he's athletic, he's, you know, he's, he's really instinct, instinctive. Uh, I would prioritize him. And then I, I think Miles Sanders is as good as, good as gone. Um, and if we're looking for another big name, yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think unless Fletcher Cox is willing to kind of adjust his number in, in, in terms of like how much he's getting paid and how much he's playing, um, I, I don't see Fletcher coming back either.
3: Last one very quickly, Jeff. Yes or no, Jason Kelsey back to play next season?
6: Uh, my guess, just based upon like the reporting and talking to people around him is that probably leaning more on it sounds more like that he'd be back than he wouldn't be back um of course which calls into the question of what you're going to do about Cam Jurgens but uh, that's a question for another day my guess, just he, had a, he had, his mom even told me she had the, he had the the most fun this season i think some of it had to do with the podcast he did with his brother but I think it also a lot of it has to do also with the team and the players around him and, and the coaches, et cetera.
3: Yeah, and don't forget the Christmas album. So that's a big factor. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, thanks so much, man. Appreciate you taking the time to talk with us.
6: All right, guys. Thanks for having me. All Be right. well.
3: That was uh, Jeff McLean from the Inquirer. For my money, the best beat guy covering the Eagles these days. Uh, some pretty interesting stuff, Glenn. This team's going to look much different than yeah. it did this season. Mm-hmm. It is.
7: It's, and it just shows it's so tough to get back. When you're there, we all think, like, hey, they're going to be good, they're going to be good, and they may be good. Getting back is tough.
3: Yeah. So we'll get one more call in before the break here. Uh, Greg from Allentown wants to talk about a pivotal coaching decision. Go ahead, Greg.
8: Good morning. And, and I guess first off, I'd like to say uh, I'm going to be one of those people that really misses the Angelo dialogue every morning and uh, feels like a friend, never spoke with him, but listening to him for a long time and uh, it's just not going to be the same without him.
3: Agreed. I'm with you. Go ahead.
8: All right. And uh, regarding the coaching decision, uh, let's uh, frame this one by going back to Super Bowl 52 late in the game. Uh, there was a a, a parallel play where Peterson realized he couldn't give the ball back to Brady because it would be a certain loss. So on fourth and two, Bowles made a short uh, uh, pass to Hertz rather, and it was successful on that, that bold fourth and two move. Uh, uh, led the path to, uh, you know, the Super Bowl victory that's down in history. So, in a similar moment this time around, Sirianni backed down third and three from his own 33. You know, your best defensive player on, on the field is Jalen Hurts. You cannot put the ball back in uh, Patrick Mahone's hand. So, you keep the ball, uh, and Jalen Hurts, of course, is your best player. So, maybe on third and three, they do try a running play, and I know they, were, they weren't good at running, but Hertz was pretty good at running. Uh, and, and if it's not successful, maybe you have a fourth and one and you go for it. So he backs off in the, in the most important moment. He had been aggressive in the first half, converting the fourth downs in the first half. Didn't do it at the most critical time. It was almost like a crescendo. The, the, the later in the game it gets, the more important it is to maintain that aggressiveness, especially when the, uh, it was a plain old fact. The yep, defense yep. was completely ineffective. You cannot give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. You have to keep the ball. And Jalen, Jalen Hurts is your best defense. Don't run the play. You know, we've seen you're, you're long, talking about the drive
3: killing the clock. Right, Greg. You're right. talking about the punt, giving the ball back. And thanks so much for the call. You're talking about giving the ball back to the Chiefs on the fourth and one, fourth and two from mm-hmm. your own 33, 34 yard line. And, and I'll say this to kind of buttress what Greg is saying. I. I think from a psychological standpoint, Glenn, you have to go for it in that situation because that's who you are as a team. It's more surprising to see the Eagles punt in that situation uh, than it is to see them go for it. And I know it's a risky play because of how deep they are in their own territory. If you don't get it,
7: you're really in trouble. Yeah. But you're also facing the Chiefs. It it was Doug Peterson doing the Philly special, I understand. That was from the three. This was from your own 30-something. But it is
3: well. Like, no, I think he's ta- I think Greg was talking about the play on the final drive of Super Bowl Fifty Two, where it's fourth and two from the Eagles' own. Yeah, 45. yeah,
7: I know. Yeah, I, but I made it the Philly special. But yeah. yes, I get that. It, it is the same thing, and you win this by or lose it by being gutsy in a blaze of glory.
3: Yeah, you do. Let's get one more call in before the break here. Chuck from Haparo, you are on with Glenn Hello, Mike. Hello, Hello and Chuck. Chuck, Chuck, can you Chuck, hear us?
7: Chuck's not, uh, Chuck not is there. Chuck
3: is not there. Sorry, Chuck, from Hapro. Let us do uh, George from uh, the town where I live, Doylestown. Go ahead, George.
7: Hey, guys. Enjoy the show.
6: Uh, tough to fill a great shoes, but uh, you're doing a great job. Listen every every weekend. Thank you, George. Yeah, uh, just a couple of things. Um, I think uh, from a peer-to-peer perspective in terms of Gannon's performance, I think we've got to remember Spagnolo also led up a lot of points. Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
8: Um, so it's tough to stop potent offenses sometimes in the NFL. So uh, we did have a couple walk in touchdowns that were very disappointing. I'm not clear if that was scheme or if that was player error. I
3: think it was a little bit of both. Little yeah. bit of both.
6: Yeah. But, you, you, you know, um, all in all, I think uh, that game could have that game swung on a dime either direction. And it was a formidable
8: showing for. You know, a second-year head coach, and I think it's You're very bad. gracious,
3: Yeah, I, you, I, you are. I give you credit, George. Thanks for the call, man. I, I can't be there yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
7: you know, in the grand—listen, in the grand perspective, yes. For them yeah. to go 14-3 and when the two playoff games get to the Super Bowl, hang in, yeah, whatever, yeah. like the young quarterback, young coach, it's like the rest of the world will look at this and see, my God, you guys should be so optimistic. It's all great. And I may feel that way in a month. Right now, the wound
3: has not healed. No. I, I Look, I, I think it's not quite as bad as Super Bowl 39 was when the Eagles lost to no. the Patriots all those no. years ago because they had been building to that point for so long. Yeah. Um, but in the moment, it stings, and it's always going to sting. So, look, coming up, next segment, we're going to do what we're watching. There's a couple of shows I'm catching up on. I know there's one that you really love at noon. We're going to talk to Matt Gelb from The Athletic about the Phillies. I don't know if you've heard, but spring training has started. I'm very
7: excited about that. Uh, and later I'm on, looking we're looking forward to that.
3: Yeah, we're going to get into some Sixer stuff. Uh, Glenn Mack now, Mike Sealski, WIP.
0: Call from mom.
3: Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
3: <laughs> Larry David never fails to make me chuckle uh, with that soundbite. It is what we're watching. Uh, I myself have been catching up on a couple of shows that have been out for a while. Uh, my wife and I have been watching uh, a good bit of Apple TV lately. Just started the second season of Stranger Things. I know, I know it's been out a long time. Second. Second season's not very good. Yeah.
7: You, Season one and three are good. Season I didn't watch four, but one and three are really good. Two was was a dud. Okay. Well, we're one but, episode
3: into two. Yeah, you got to watch it. We are plowing through Shrinking, which is excellent. That We talked about that, yeah. uh, I think, last week or the week before. I watched a couple episodes of that. It's so funny. I, I watched two, and then my wife
7: said to the other day, like, is that Shrinkage show on? <laughs> it's like, no, no. We're not watching
3: Seinfeld. And Glenn's like, I was in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third thing that we started this week, my wife Kate and I, is Severance, uh, which I know oh, you watched. Oh, I loved it, yeah. Uh, which is really good, kind of creepy. We're two episodes into that. But you have started something yeah. that you are eager to talk
7: yeah, about. Yeah, very much so. And by the way, the thing with Severance is... I it, it there's a lull around episode two three, but it stick with it because okay. it really gets coming. well
3: they they dropped Christopher Walken on me and now I'm in. Yeah, okay. I'm in.
7: Yeah, that's right. By the way, uh what we're watching excuse me. Yes, what we're watching is brought to you by Guida Door and Window. If I can find the read. Here you go. Take advantage of Guided Door and Windows Big Winner Sale. Through February, receive forty percent off all windows and doors. Call one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at go G-U-I-D-A.com. I am watching the show, which everybody is talking about, and I know why. It's called The Last of Us. Uh, it's on HBO. Mm-hmm. Mike, I've watched a lot of apocalypse movies and TV shows over the years. Uh, Walking Dead, I Am Legend with mm-hmm. Will Smith, Planet of the Apes, if you uh-huh. want to go way back. Wally. Oh, yeah. Uh, 12 Monkeys, Light Runner. I mean, I could, I could go on with this for a long time. So having seen that many, I will say I went into this kind of weary and kinda skeptical. Mm-hmm. This one is based on a video game. Oh. Okay, not a big seller to you. No. I know. Nor me. I don't play video games. I don't know the video game. Obviously very popular. It has a plot that's centers on a fast growing fungus that mutates to infest humans, turning civilization into like a global mushroom farm. So the undead become these very fast moving zombies. That that take over your brain, okay. okay? Which, by the way, there is. It's based on a thing where there really is a fungus that does this. To yes, animals. I've I've okay. heard about this. I yes. didn't know that until this. It's extremely creepy, but now they can can do it to humans. I mean, not in real life in the show, uh, and but the show is based in the United States. Twenty twenty three. It starts actually in twenty two thousand two or something. And the United States is divided between a a oppressive military government that that oppresses the masses a zombie population hiding out and looking to swallow you up, uh, and the rebels who are fighting for, well, I'm not sure, but that, okay. that's kind of the camps. And into this comes the actor Pedro Pascal. People know him from The Mandalorian.
3: Did you watch that? I did not, but okay. I know who you're talking about.
7: Right. Um, here he is a grim, grizzled survivor who's put into the mission of escorting a 14-year-old girl who is apparently immune to zombie bites, On this journey across the United States from Boston to Wyoming, where they're hoping they can figure out from her how to make Mm. people immune. This is the cure. This is it. Stay with me. Okay. The girl, by the way, is played by a young actress who was in Game of Thrones. Did you watch
3: that? I did not.
7: I'm the one person who didn't watch it. With you,
3: jeez, I have young children and
7: things to do. Well, she was. For those who did watch it, she was Lady Leanna Mormont, the the fearsome child leader of a northern fiefdom. Kyle, you watched Game of Game of Thrones. Oh, big Game of Thrones. Right, you remember the, the girl who yeah. like had smarter than everybody? Yeah. So she's in this. Um so they form a connection and of course you're rooting for them to survive uh the trip as they try to avoid getting caught by the military mm-hmm. regime or starving to death or getting engulfed by the fungus zombies. <laughs> okay.
3: It's 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 by the way, dark yeah. by the way, fungus zombies opened for meatloaf in seventy eight. Just saying.
7: <laughs> I ever tell you a time I hit a home run off meatloaf?
3: No, you yeah. have not.
7: In a charity softball game. Yeah, I uh, once hit a home run off meatloaf. Oh, that. my gosh. Yeah, it was pretty
3: cool. Yeah.
9: Oh.
7: Anyway, he was very gracious. Uh, it is a dark show, but it has optimism too. Uh, the best episode, which Al Morgani hated. I'm arguing this ah. with Al Morgani. I came in Thursday to pay tribute to Angelo, and Al and I got in this big argument wow. during the break, but the best episode is the third one, which sidetracks from the central plot and features two guys, one of them, the great Nick Offerman, mm-hmm. who, find, a wreck. Yeah. Yeah, who, f- who find each other, he's a survivalist, and they find each other and they survive, and they form this beautiful relationship all alone for decades in a ghost town. Okay. Which is kind of good at like, you know, stepping aside from the chase, here's what life is. Mm-hmm. Anyway. It's a big-budget HBO series. It's well done. Uh, it might get a little repetitive, which is why they stuck in that episode, but I will give it a B plus. Okay. It is uh, infectious. Well, well, <laughs> maybe not the word to use. Uh, so I recommend
3: The Last of Us. Okay, and the phrase, fungal in nature, keeps coming up, I imagine, <laughs> throughout yeah. Yeah. the
7: show. Yeah, but, but good. Definitely yeah,
3: and, and you're right about the episode that you mentioned with Nick Offerman. That's gotten buzzed. Yeah. As an all-time great episode of television. I thought so. Al Morganti thought it was a waste of his time. Well, he's a contrarian and iconoclast and from Boston, so we don't want to put too much stock in what Al says.
5: I, I actually say. thought that episode and the most recent episode, episode five, were outstanding. Haven't Fear, seen five. jerkers. I'm through four. Okay. All right. Go ahead. E- enjoy yeah, g-
3: give
7: your. What do you think of my review? What do you think? Well, I didn't no, know you were watching. I, I, I completely
5: agree. Asked. It's great. It's great for a, a weekly watch. Uh, Pedro Pascal is excellent as the lead. And uh, the whatever her name was, Leanna Mormon in uh
7: yeah, her, Lady, Mormont. Ellie, yeah, yeah. Lady Mormont. yeah, Lady
5: okay. Mormon yep. Uh, she's Ellie in this show. She's fantastic too. I thought I, I really think like you mentioned the supporting uh, cast that they had Nick Offerman in episode three, mm-hmm. and you'll you'll love episode five. It's a similar type thing where you know you uh it's they uh, introduce new characters and you really start to to you know identify with them as as they move throughout the story, and uh, it's another um it's another kind of. Tough ending, tearjerker type deal. But you'll love it.
7: I don't want to give away too much, but episode one did that with the character that you think, like, oh, this is going to be the main character of the show. Right. Yeah. Uh, And and you know what? Didn't work out.
5: So I never saw, I never played the video game. So I don't know what, you know, what aspects of this are true to the video game. So uh, I'm just sort of taking it episode by episode, and I'm I'm enjoying every one so far. It's All right, been awesome.
3: Well, I'm, I'm trucking still through my Apple TV series. I don't get HBO, but now you're, you guys are giving me a reason maybe to get add it, my subscription. It, uh,
7: you know what? I'll, I know. Get it ta- for like a month or two. I'll month. give you
3: five shows to binge. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm glad you guys like it. I've heard good things about it. Maybe this is the one that pushes me over the top. Before we hit a break, I want to get one call in here. Here's Shaheem, Shaheem excuse me, from Maryland. Shaheem, you're on with Glenn and Mike.
0: Hi, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. I, obviously, this week was a tough week, very disappointed in the loss. But uh, um, obviously, a lot of the points were rehashed over the week. But just going forward, I just think they need a little bit better at running back to take a little pressure off of Jalen, especially if they're going to take the tush-push push away, the competition committee, and also at linebacker. I know historically they've devalued that position, but it doesn't seem like we've had a playmaker there since William Thomas. And I just thought on some of those outside runs that Prochenko had in the second half, a better linebacking core would have helped
3: out. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think, Shaheen, thanks for the call. I think you raised a good point about uh, the linebackers in that, certainly in that Super Bowl, Glenn, it made them hard. It made it much harder for them to deal with Travis Kelsey yep. because you didn't have anybody, really, who could stay with him.
7: Uh, I've never they, prioritized linebackers. No, they ever, haven't. ever, ever. Um What do you think of TJ Edwards' body of work and where do you put him on your priority list of free agents?
3: I like him. If you can get him at a reasonable price, uh, I have no objection to bringing him back. I think linebacker is one of those positions. And and we mentioned Jordan Davis as a player who the Eagles already have in the fold and they need to take a step forward. I would put N'Kobe Dean in that same category. Well, that's,
7: that's, T.J. Edwards, is. you're looking at the depth chart, and then you drafted N'Kobe Dean, and he didn't really play much this year, but are you going to have two guys to do the same thing? T.J. Edwards had a career year. He had a very good year. Yeah. Um, he processes things quickly, which is good. Um, he can cover, which is good. I think somebody's going to want to pay him real money, Yeah, and I don't think it's going to be the Eagles.
3: Yeah, I think you're probably right. And look, this is... Kind of the guiding principle of Howie Roseman's approach and the Eagles' approach to drafting. It, you don't draft to fill an immediate need. Howie said the other day, "That's when they've gotten in trouble," as they say. We need a wide receiver. Let's go draft Jalen Rager, mm-hmm. uh, and you end up reaching at positions that you don't want to reach in. Uh, one more call quickly. We'll go to Clay, our friend from Kansas City, to get the Chiefs' perspective here. Hi, Clay.
4: Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, Clay. Been
7: a tough Must week. be tough been a for you trip. out
3: there, for God's sakes.
7: Say what? You're in the belly of the beast this week.
4: I will tell you, thirty seconds after that game was over, I was so upset, Glenn. And I was invited to a Super Bowl party in my neighborhood, but I didn't go. Oh
7: no, no, oh, no, no you man. Can't. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. So I, and I went for like a forty five minute walk, Glenn. Yeah. I want to tell you. Though I walk through the shallow, you know. (laughs) Walk (laughs) through the the valley of the shadow
3: of death? (laughs) Because,
4: because, guys, there's fireworks going off
3: everywhere.
4: And you know what? Good for the Chiefs.
7: Yeah, they, listen, good for them, right? I don't begrudge them for it, but it's the last place in the world I would want to be.
4: Yeah, I will tell you a couple things, and and I'll be quick. You know, the reason that they, fans, is is, is, uh, short for fanatic, we know that. I have, for the most part, I've been treated pretty fairly this week. I've had a couple people text me. Saying, yeah, see, I told you that you guys were overrated. And I was like, I, I mean, like one of them, I'm like, hey, dude, you need to grow up. I mean, <laughs> did you watch the game? It was 38-35, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I will say Joe made a really good – Joe Cameron made a great comment this week. He talked about playing conditions, leveling the talent field. And I'm not making an excuse. I blame Gannon because I cannot believe Gannon did not see that his front was not getting home and didn't say, hey, we need to dial up a little bit more. Linebacker safety.
3: Yeah, they they needed to do blitz. they needed to do something different there, Clay. I agree yeah, with you. That's the, yeah,
4: that's my frustration. It's not the fact that because the Chris Jones didn't do anything either. You know. Yeah. But the Chiefs' Spags is more of a blitzer, so he brought extra guys that were unblocked, and the Eagles needed to do more of that. Um, one thing I will say on great uh, interview with Jeff McClain, appreciate it. I don't need Javon Hargreaves back, even though I love the guy, because I will tell you something. I think M- Milton Williams is a star in the making when well he got on the field this year he played like javon hargraves and he's similarly
3: built and skilled well clay thanks for the call and that, he brings up glenn an interesting point mm-hmm. which is the eagles are going to have to evaluate the guys they have in house already and determine is this a guy we can count on taking a step forward or do we need to bring back a hargrave or you know a tj edwards because nicobe dean isn't quite ready yet can't lose them all no no, you're going to have to bring somebody back. Uh, quickly, we'll do one more call before the break here. Dave from Princeton is on. Hi, Dave. You're on with Mike and Glenn.
8: Hi, guys. How you doing? Great. 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 Thank you. Uh, just a quick question for you. Uh, this talk on the NFL about banning the uh, the, the quarterback sneak. Yes. The, the tush view. push. I'm, yes. I don't like it. You know, it, it, it's got me... Almost as upset as the loss. It they're really, oh.
7: it wow. Really hey, perspective, money, perspective.
8: Right? <laughs> no, I mean I'm talking. You know, going forward. I know. Really,
7: yeah, it, it yeah. Really
8: takes something away. from
7: uh, Why? Why are you upset about this?
8: Well, first of all, the, the the thought process that goes behind it. Every team gets to do it. So why is one team advantaged over the other? And so why are they doing it? I mean, why are they going to take it away? And I think it's because they want to favor certain quarterbacks, you know, the Chiefs, the Bengals. All right, let me read
7: the, you guys. This was no, – uh, 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 stay there for a second. I want One to read second. this to all of you, okay? Mm-hmm. This was Dean Blandino, who's the Fox Rules yes. analyst, okay, who said he expects them to ban it. His quote was – "Understand, he doesn't represent the league, but he's pretty connected. The NFL wants to showcase the athleticism and skill of our athletes. This is just not a skillful play. It's not an aesthetically pleasing play, Dave. <laughs> I it's aesthetically
8: pleasing to me every time they get
3: a first down. <laughs> Dave, thanks so much for the call. I I agree completely with Dave and I think Eagles fans would too. It was aesthetically pleasing to see the Eagles get first downs time after time.
7: I found it exciting.
3: Yeah, it was look, it it worked for the Eagles. They did it better than anybody. Uh, let's be honest here. So, uh coming up, we will talk at noon to Matt Gelb of the Athletic. He's down in Clearwater uh, with the baseball. Phillies. Trey Turner is smashing car windows, apparently, with his foul balls. We'll get into that. We'll get into the pitching staff. John Middleton comments all kinds of things.
4: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, you are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
9: Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
7: Two balls, two strikes to Bryce Harper. Suarez delivers. Swing and a drive. Left field. It's deep. It's going. And it is
8: gone.
2: Yes. Yes. It is badly. Harper has put the Phillies on top. Are you kidding me? His tenth career
4: home run in the postseason, and he may never hit a
3: bigger one. You know, Glenn, that was four oh. months ago now, oh. and I imagine for people who love that baseball team, it feels like it was yesterday.
7: I got goosebumps there.
3: Yeah. I mean, being in the ballpark for it was was pretty remarkable. Uh, and I think I've said to you before, what made it more remarkable to me was that it was Harper who did it. That in a weird way, it, he's the guy you expect to do it, and that made it more special. Big player, big moment. So there's a reason we led with Bryce Harper and his home run in Game 5 of the National League Championship Series. Uh, it's time to check in with our doctors at Cooper Bone and & Join, and we have Dr. Mark Pollard with us today. And... Dr. Pollard, I want to start with Harper and his Tommy John surgery. Um, what's the, what, In terms of a rehab, you know, th- there's been a lot of discussion about Harper coming back at the All-Star break. Uh, is the rehab for an outfielder or a position player different for a pitcher? Uh, you know, you hear about Tommy John surgery with respect to pitchers all the time. You don't hear it as often about a guy who plays right field. How's everything How's the process different for a guy like Harper compared to you know a starting pitcher in major league baseball
0: uh well at its heart it's very similar uh you know the rehab um you know essentially you know regaining range of motion getting the strength uh uh back where it needs to be you know there's the biology of the surgery is just you know the ligament reconstruction healing into place, and you know that takes uh Anywhere from three to six months, but you know the thing that takes longer is actually the, you know, the muscles and kind of learning to throw again and so forth. So you know, I guess obviously for a pitcher, you know, it's you know, it's you know of utmost importance to get entirely recovered before getting back, just because all they do is throw, throw, throw and put stress on that area, and so you want to have the mechanics perfect so it doesn't stress it too much and you know cause damage again as opposed to, you know, a position player that still throws but doesn't throw nearly as often, it might not be as critical. Um, obviously, you want them as close to back to normal as possible, but the bar is not quite as high for them to get back. All right,
7: so in addition to that, he could be DH, obviously. He had the surgery on November 23rd. Um, they hope to have him back by July. My math tells me that would be seven months, I guess, eight months, is that a timetable yeah. that would seem normal to you again if if he's able
0: let's just even say to play DH? Um, I mean that's a little little bit of an aggressive uh, uh, time frame. you know you think of it anywhere between six months and twelve months. Um, so you know that's that's on the short side of things, but certainly not unreasonable, especially considering that the position players are probably ready sooner than than pitchers.
3: All right, Dr. Pollard, let's stay on pitchers then for a minute. Andrew Painter is 19 years old and there's a whole lot of discussion and optimism about him being a part of the Phillies rotation this year. I think one publication has him as the sixth ranked prospect in all of Major League Baseball. How risky would it be from a physiology injury standpoint for the Phillies to have a 19-year-old in their rotation? Is it something that they ought to be worried about? Or are you thinking more along the lines of you know, maturity, or is there a real physical risk here to a kid like Painter at age 19, uh, pitching at that age in the majors?
0: Well, you know, obviously there is there is a risk. However, you know, the big caveat is the mechanics. Um, you know, if he's 19 and he, you know, has absolute perfect mechanics, he's much less likely to injure that ligament as, you know, as as opposed to, you know, a 17-year-old who, uh, you know, his mechanics are such that they put more stress on that area. Um, so it, the, I think one thing that the pitchers learn as they go through the, the minor leagues is they kind of learn how to get these mechanics, how to decrease the chance of injury. So uh, there's no simple answer to it, uh, but, you know, there is somewhat of a risk that that risk can be mitigated by, you know, if, if he's somewhat precocious and has figured those things out already.
3: Dr. Mark Pollard. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us this week. Uh, appreciate it very much. Did you did you lament the Eagles' loss in the Super Bowl uh, for a long while afterward?
0: Yeah, it wasn't quite the same experience as five years ago, I guess. Yeah, no. <laughs> <But> at <laughs> no, the halftime, you thought it was in the bag this time, and then the second half happened. Yeah,
3: yeah no, very much true. Thanks again, to, uh, Dr. Powell. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you, uh, you coming on. Um, yeah, it's funny, though, Glenn. I mean, they were... They were down by ten points in both games, or up by ten points, I should say, both games at halftime. Yeah, feeling was a little bit different though. The painter thing is interesting.
7: I'm just going to piggyback on that because, uh, and and we're going to talk some Phillies in the twelve o'clock hour, as you said. Mac Elb's going to join us uh, now at twelve twenty. So, I am always intrigued by prospects, young prospects, particularly the young pitcher. Right? There's nothing more romantic in a baseball sense than this young pitcher who's just got the stuff. 19. I can't count on that. I mean, I, I, that's a lot to rely on. The kids, people are saying, oh, he's going to make the roster. You should make the roster and so on. He's 19. When I was 19, I like, was, you know, trying to figure out how to,
3: yeah, a bra. yeah. But the flip side of that, I would say two things. Number one, Dave Dombrowski throughout his career has never shied away from using young pitchers, relying on them, and probably has a pretty good sense of whether Painter is cut out for that. And then the second thing is pro athletes nowadays man they grow up immersed in their sports to the point where i wonder if a 19 year old today is the same as a 19 year old 10 not, 15 years ago But year. a 19 year old
7: today in the major leagues I give you a fifty-fifty shot. He's going to get Tommy John within three years.
3: Yeah, well, you can. Yeah, that's that's true. But you can maybe say that about anybody. We'll maybe. we'll bring Dr. Pollard back on after Andrew Painter has his Tommy John. Oh god. <laughs> Let's get a call in here. Uh, Brandon from Wilmington, you're on with Glenn and Mike. Hi, Brandon. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, what's going what? on?
10: This week with Angelo retiring, it brought back a lot of memories for me as a, a college student in the early to mid '90s. I, I actually was an intern for a while at the Fan Magazine, if Glenn remembers that. Oh, God, back back. I used what to write it?
7: for that thing, sure. Yes,
10: all the, so all the WIP talent at the time um, were, were writers, uh, mainly for the Fan as well. Angela was one of them, Al, Glenn. Uh, and from there, I, I also would attend uh, the, the Great Sports Abate Remotes, whether it be at the Lagoon in Essington <laughs> uh, I mean, not around
3: I, anymore. You're talking um, about the Halcyon Days of Prism there, Brandon.
10: Yes, and the uh, Stanley's Tavern in Wilmington here, which is still around, Mm -hmm. Um, but it it just brought back a ton of memories with Angelo, um, you know, about how what impact he had on this area. Yeah, you know, for being on for such a long time,
7: he changed
3: changed the landscape a lot. Let Uh, me just
7: get in for a second with you, Brandon, because yes, and I I appreciate that you brought up like the great sports debate in the early days of WIP and writing and so on, because Angelo was the first to come over, uh, and then Al. Uh, and then Mike, Nellie, mm-hmm. and then me. Yeah. I think I got that order right. And um, we had we Brandon. We didn't know what we were doing. And oh. we when they put us on TV, we got this show on TV, on Prism. What happened was, and yeah. Brandon, thanks for the call. Yeah, man. thank you. So, Brandon. so what happens is, I'm watching. Um, at
3: the time, if you got Prism, you also got a thing called the Sp-
7: Sports Channel?
3: Yeah, Sports wrong? Channel. Yes. Right, which was like a national thing? Yeah, the Flyers were on it for a while. That's okay. honestly where I got introduced to Mike Emmerich and Bill Clement for the first okay.
7: time. Okay. And the Sports Channel had a show out of Chicago called Sports
3: Writers on No, Not, was it
7: Sports Writers on TV? I think it was.
3: Sports Reporters on TV, something like that. Something, yeah. yeah it was like
7: that. It was guys out of Chicago.
3: Yeah. Rick it was a Ta- bunch of
7: old guys. Rick
3: Tallender was on. Rick Tallender
7: was younger by 30 years yeah. <laughs> than all the other. It was like old guys sitting around a table smoking cigars talking about Notre Dame and the Bears. Yeah. <laughs> And and it, you know with the ice tumbling in the scotch mm-hmm. and it was it had no format but it was fun because yeah. you just felt like you were listening to an interesting conversation yeah and so I said we can do that mm-hmm. so I went to uh, Al and I went to Jason Stark who was at the Enquirer at the time and they both said yeah and I went to Prism mm-hmm. and Prism said yeah we like that idea. But only if you get Angelo. Mm. They would only do it if we got Angelo because he was becoming a sensation at the time. And so we went to Angelo. I remember this. We took him to Reading Terminal Market, okay, (laughs) Al and Jason and me. And we said, Angelo, we want to do this show. And he's like, well, you know, I work until 10 and then I got to like drive. We were shooting up in Malvern. Mm -hmm. Like I want to drive, you know, to Malvern and do the thing. Like I don't know. And I honestly think he, he, we didn't say it directly, but I think he realized that if he didn't do it, it wasn't going to happen. And he did it for the rest of us. And that put it on the air. And it was the dumbest thing in the world. You're probably a college student or whatever watching the thing.
3: I was not a college student. I was 13 years old. Oh, God. Oh, my. And I can remember turning on that show and hearing one of the panelists, watching one of the panelists hold up an old style Phillies jersey with maroon pinstripes against the white uniform and saying this is the worst uniform in professional sports bar none yeah, that, and that panelist was that
7: was me and those were the first words ever uttered on that show actually yeah and we kept that show on for a lot of years i eventually had to go off because it conflicted with my schedule and then mike came in we had other people stan hockman did a yeah. bunch and it was really just like stupid but fun, and people watched it, and Angelo, as always, was the center of the whole thing that made it work, and I I appreciate him for that.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, there was a lot of what Angelo and you guys brought to WIP in that show. I think it, it opened up uh, the market to the possibility later of Comcast Sportsnet, yeah. Daily News Live, and Philly Sports Talk, and all that stuff. And we want to continue to reminisce about Angelo and his impact on the market, and WIP, and the media scene, and all that uh, coming up, we've as Glenn mentioned, we've uh, we're going to get Matt Gell from the Athletic to talk some Phillies at around 1220, 1225. We of course want to hear your calls, two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. He is Glenn Mack Now I am Mike Sealski. This is not the Great Sports Debate. This is WIP.